Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted solely to the Disney Plus Marvel series. My name is Brett Scott, I am your host, and this is the show. And it's no ordinary show today, guys. Today, it's a special edition of Marvel Plus, a special presentation, if you will, because we are covering the special presentation Marvel Studios short film Werewolf by Night. I've been pumped for this for over a month now. Ever since they announced that it was a thing, I was pumped. Could not wait for it to come out. And I was not at all disappointed. I've already put out some uh, short form reviews if you want to go over and check them out on my YouTube channel or my other podcast, Daily BS. Um, both of those you can get wherever. Uh, you can get them on your podcast catcher. You can search on YouTube, Daily BS. Check it out. It's just like a 10-minute review right after I, I watched Werewolf by Night. But today is the long-form discussion with a guest. And to discuss this, we have a very good friend of the show, a long-time friend of the show returning. You love him. I love him. Well, you should love him. <laughs> if you don't love him, there's something wrong with you. I've been listening to this guy's podcast um, since 2018. Every single episode since 2018 I've listened to. Every week he puts out an episode. And every time he doesn't put out an episode, I'm like, I'm hitting him up. Like, hey, man, where's the episode? Where's the episode this week? Um, but if you don't know already, I'm talking about Ryan Frasari from the podcast Talkin' Snicked, The Wolverine Show. It's a podcast, you would think it's all about Wolverine, but not quite. Um, while about, I would say, 80% of the podcast is episodes solely focused on Wolverine comics and and things related to Wolverine comics, it also, there's like a side project he does over there where he's covering every episode of X-Men the Animated Series, episode by episode, and he's bringing guests on for that. Um, and uh, right now he's going through a, a Nightcrawler mini uh, that came out in 1985. It's it's a lot of fun. Look, you you really got to go check it out. Like I said, I, I listen to every episode. Some I've gone back and especially I'm a huge Wolverine fan, so I've gone back and listened to a lot of his Wolverine episodes like numerous times. Uh, he goes through the storylines and kind of gives like you know insight and opinions and lets you know what was going on in the comic world at the time. It's a lot of fun, man. Uh, Ryan is a fantastic host, whether he's doing it solo. Or with a guest, and I can attest to that being a guest on his show several times now to discuss several different episodes of X-Men the Animated Series. Um, so, you know, if nothing else, go check out my appearances over there, and then, you know, stay around and uh, meet some of the other guests that he's had on there. And then maybe, maybe dive into some of the Wolverine episodes. Look, if you're any kind of X-Men or Wolverine fan at all, there's no reason whatsoever that you should not be subscribed favoriting, following, talking Snick, the Wolverine show. You don't want to miss it. It's a fantastic show. Um, okay, now now that I've plugged the hell out of his show, um, let's bring him on to discuss Werewolf by Night. Not only is he a, a big fan of Wolverine, but he's a huge fan of werewolves, so it works out really well. And um, I was really happy to have him on it so he could talk about something he enjoyed this year because he has not been uh, ultra hot on 
MCU projects in 2022. He has not been the biggest fan of MCU stuff that has come out in 2022. And I get it, man. Uh, it's not for everybody. These have been some uh, kind of different projects, um, whether we're talking Moon Knight, Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, which that finale, wow. Um, you'll be getting that episode later this week as well. Um, but... Yeah, he hasn't been the, the, the biggest fan, Thor Love and Thunder, uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. He just hasn't been the biggest fan this year. But as you'll hear, Werewolf by Night is an entirely different animal, if you will. Uh, so let's let's jump into the conversation. I won't bother you anymore. Um, oh, I, one more thing. If you were a Patreon subscriber, if you were contributing $1, a measly $1 per month, you would have already had access to this episode like a few days ago. I put it out early for the Patreon people. And usually, usually I put those out in video format. So you get to actually see the guest and I interacting and talking. And, and also, you don't have to listen to all the intro stuff where I plug the Patreon and I, I plug a merch and try to get you to rate and review the podcast and all that stuff please go do that please please go rate and review the podcast um it really helps the podcast to grow uh it helps helps reach a, a larger audience and such and hey check out marvel plus merch uh but you don't have to hear all that if you were a patreon subscriber and you would have already been listening to this episode a full two days ago anyway on with the conversation with my friend and yours ryan Frasari. Ryan Frasari, my friend, it has been a long, long time since you've been on Marvel Plus. Yeah, dude, it's been like, what, a, almost a year now? I think last time I was on was for the Hawkeye Roundtable, so like December of last year. Yeah, we're, we're coming up on a year pretty soon here, and I, um, I feel like we podcast said a lot around that time last year there was like yeah the hawkeye hawkeye roundtable uh, um i think we did the disney plus day together mm -hmm. last yeah. year um and then then nothing nothing for the past whatever <laughs> 10 months uh so so what is it you just don't like coming on the podcast anymore you hate the mcu like what's going on <laughs> No, I mean, I love coming on the podcast, dude. And, uh, you know, we, we've we made up for it because we've had you on mine. So it's not like we haven't had opportunities to talk. Um, I, but, yeah, I haven't really been asking to come on to your show because, here, like you said, 10 months later, I've not really loved any of the MCU stuff that we've gotten so far in, in 2022. And, like, I don't just want to come on your show and be, like, the one dude that just craps on everything for no reason, you know? Like, like some YouTuber or something just come on and be like, here's 50 reasons why She-Hulk sucks. Like, I I don't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, what about, okay, so what, what do we have in 2022? So we had Moon Knight to start off the year, and then mm -hmm. Ms. Marvel, and now She-Hulk. And then we also got Thor Love and Thunder. Now... You're talking about you don't want to shit on things, um, <laughs> but come on, I, you couldn't have, you couldn't have loved Thor: Love and Thunder. Like, you've got to, you've got to have something to say about that, right? 
So my favorite thing about watching that movie was that I was then able to cross it off the list of stuff that I had to watch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was like, nice. all right, that one's, that one's out of the way. I don't have to dread that one anymore. No, man. Like, I don't know. Cause like, I liked Ragnarok. I, I, when Ragnarok was, was, you know, when they were doing the marketing and stuff for that, I remember thinking like, well, this looks stupid. Like it's just going to be this like bright, colorful, funny uh-huh. Thor movie. And like, I don't know if I want that. Like I, I kind of liked the approach they took with the first one where it was like kind of the Shakespearean epic. Like they brought in Kenneth Branagh to direct, who's like, you know, a renowned Shakespearean actor and everything. Um, and then the second one obviously fell super flat. And uh, yes. I, I thought like they should return to the, to the Shakespearean epic, you know, give us like the, uh, you know, it, it's Norse mythology. Give us like this big epic storyline with like goblins and orcs and dwarves and like give us all the, the friggin mythical creatures because I would be so interested in seeing MCU versions of those those races and yeah. stuff and see what they can do with that. And instead they went in this like ridiculously comedic direction. And like, I didn't even uh, see that one in theaters. I, I didn't go see it. I was like, I'll just, you know, I'll just, I'll catch it when it comes out on Blu-ray or I'll watch it on digital, whatever. And I actually really liked Ragnarok. Uh, it was great. Um, and I've, I'm a big Taika Waititi fan as well. Like all the stuff that he's done that's, that's you know, non-Marvel and, and non-Star Wars. I've, I've enjoyed all of it. Like I really dig the guy's sense of humor. I think he's he's got like a really good eye for directing. And so I, I was looking forward to Love and Thunder. Um, and then as we got like more and more trailers, I was like, ooh, I don't know. I'm kind of getting like the way that I thought Ragnarok was going to go. I'm kind of getting that from these trailers. Yes. And uh, and I think that's what happened. Like we had this it's like ridiculously short movie. There was just joke after joke after joke. And like, it's not to say that they didn't touch upon serious things. They did, but you didn't really have any time to focus on any of the dramatic beats because you were too busy not laughing at the thousand jokes per second that they were throwing at you. But, but Ryan, they gave you mythical creatures. They gave you screaming goats. <laughs> Dude, Tooth yes. Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder were so cool in the Simonson run. They were uh, they're they're not just an internet meme. Oh, oh well. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I I agree with you 100. I felt like um, the movie was all over the place. Okay, that you're right. There were some really dark, dramatic beats that were. I don't know, we're good and would lend themselves well to like a more serious film. But when it's, you know, juxtapositioned with like ridiculous outlandish humor that isn't really landing, uh, it, it doesn't really work. Like when you have, you know, child deaths and a woman dying from cancer, like it, in a scene, like smashed up next to a scene where they're screaming goats and uh, it, it just didn't, man, it just felt like they didn't know what tone they were going for. Like the, the Taika Watiti tone was there. And then it's like, they forced in also this dramatic stuff. And so together it did not mesh at all. Um, I, I absolutely love Christian Bale in it. I thought everything about him and it was great. Uh, I, I thought he was really underused 
Uh, they could have had him in the movie more than they did. And it, it was the best part of the movie. It was like, give me more of that. Like, that was the good stuff. And also, you're dealing with, I mean, you got Christian Bale, man. Like, get all you can out of him. It's a flat rate, man. You're not, you're not paying him per minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and, and it's like he, he kind of fell into the trap of, like, late phase two, early phase three villains where they yeah. give you this really compelling and relatable reason why the character's a villain. And, like, they're like, all right, that's good enough. We don't need to... We don't need to explore their motivations further. We don't really need to see them actually further the plot. Like uh, Caecilius, like it was, it was the same deal with Caecilius in the first Doctor Strange movie, where they give you just enough of uh, of like a tragic origin, where you, yeah. you feel compelled to, to like the character despite you know the evil stuff that they're doing. Um, and, and, yeah. and you can you can relate to them and, and understand why they're doing what they are. And then they don't give you anything else. They did the same thing with Gore. Yeah. And, and, and just, like you said, man, like, what a waste of Christian Bale, man. Yeah, such a great actor. And, such... and... After that, I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought at all. Like, this isn't the vibes you were giving me with that opening sequence. Yeah. It felt bad. Yeah. So no, you that, didn't that, like oh, you, the opening sequence. You, you didn't like Love and Thunder. Um, it, what, I know you watched Moon Knight, right? I did, yeah. And then maybe you skipped Ms. Marvel or watched some of it like what, what happened with miss marvel because i really enjoyed like the character development but i did not love the story they told <laughs> fair enough um yes yeah, so like i with moon knight it was one where i, I think I, on disney plus day when i was on you and i were both talking about how we were super excited for that one because it was a character yeah. that was going to be new to, to both of us it was a character that we hadn't really read a whole lot of in the comic books if at all and yep. it seemed like they were going for a mature tone with that last trailer that dropped. It, it looked like it was this really serious, fairly dark uh, storyline. And I I was almost taken out of the series the first time that um, Stephen Grant opened his mouth. Like, I, I hated <laughs> Stephen Grant, could not stand the character. I did not like Oscar Isaac's um, accent that he did. I just I, I don't like the the like mumbly and soft spoken character that's but they're also like really sarcastic, but they just mumble their jokes under their breath while yeah. not making eye contact. Like, I don't know where where this is coming from, but there are so many characters in movies and shows now that are like these really beloved characters that have that personality. And I don't like characters like that. I'm like, dude, just either shut up or speak up like don't be in between. Uh, and so like, I, I just, I had a hard time getting into that series because I couldn't root for Stephen Grant. And like, we didn't get enough. Um, yeah. Who was the other one? Uh, we didn't get enough Mark Spector. I feel at least we didn't get enough Mark Spector uh, in the driver's seat for me to really buy into the whole series. Yeah. And like by the, by the sixth episode, I was mostly disappointed with the series overall 
Uh, like it tricked you into thinking there was all this really great action, but there really wasn't uh, because every time a battle would start, like Stephen Grant would just kind of like pass out and then wake up and everyone would be on the floor groaning. And it's like, all right, cool. Like they're tricking us into thinking there was some sweet action, but not really. Uh, and then, yeah, just by the yeah. end of it, like the sixth episode, the finale is just your typical Disney plus finale. Um, and so I was just like, all right, cool. Like if they do another one, maybe I'll watch, uh, but you know, whatever it's, it's fine. I thought that I, Oscar Isaac outside of the voice, uh, I thought his, his portrayal of both Steven and Mark was fantastic. That one episode where the two characters are like on screen together, it was two completely different people, same actor. Yeah. So, I mean like the, the performance was great. Um, and uh, Ethan Hawke, I thought, was was really good. He gave a really great performance. Same thing with uh, the the actress that played, was it Layla? Um, yes. Yeah. I thought she was really good. I always forget her name because this is the first time I've ever seen her in something. So I always forget her name. But I thought she was really good as Layla. Uh, I, I like if they would have given Layla more focus in the middle episodes or maybe at the very end, I, I probably would have liked the series a little bit more. Cause I thought that once she came in and started helping to drive the storyline forward, she was a really strong piece of the series. But, uh, and then they had to do that weird, like left turn in the afterlife thing. And we had like a whole episode without her and it was like, Oh man. Yeah. And then they bring her back in and they turn her into a, a female version of moon Knight, <laughs> And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did get it did like thinking about it now, thinking back on it, like it, it did get a little wacky, uh, a little a little silly when when they did kind of portray it as this much serious, more serious, much more dark, uh, possibly more violent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, MCU series. So in, yeah. in that sense, uh, it was a bit of a letdown, but I enjoyed overall, you know. Oscar Isaac, well, as you said, all the things you said, Oscar Isaac was great. Ethan Hawke, I, I loved the villain in that series. I thought it was really great. Um, and just overall, I, I dug it. I, I want to see them do more with it. I'm not sure if they will. I'm not sure if it's just done. There's been like no talk at all of like furthering that character in any way. So, um, yeah. But we are playing with some darker themes now, um, as, as we're going to get to here soon. Um, so it's very possible, especially with those characters being connected in a way, uh, that we could see them interact at some point, which I think would be really cool. Um, yeah. Now, I know you weren't too into Ms. Marvel. I think I think and I think you're not alone in that. I think a lot of people, it just like it didn't feel like a show that was made for you, and that's kind of the, the mm-hmm. boat that I fell into in the beginning as well. I just didn't ended up being so endeared by the actress and by the character in the show that, that I ended up enjoying it. Um, I loved all the character stuff. I loved all the introduction of, um, her character into the MCU. I didn't love, you know, the, the, the superhero story that they told. I, I didn't love the villain. <laughs> and I didn't love how that played out. Um, but I did enjoy all of the stuff that wasn't, you know, superhero-y. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, I, I made sure to listen to all of the Marvel plus episodes where you had guests on to break down all the Ms. Marvel stuff, because I, I only watched the first two episodes 
And I just kind of decided, like, it's not really my thing. Like, I, and I don't want to waste my time having it on in the background while I'm working or something either. Uh, I could have yeah. other stuff on and, and get through other stuff. Um, I do agree. I think that the actress, uh, I believe Iman Vellani, who played uh, Ms. Marvel, who played Kamala, uh, yeah. I think that she is very charming. And I think that that, like, there was a warmth to how she played Kamala that was really great. Uh, but just yes. overall, like, I didn't really care about the cast of characters, and it's it's not really a character that I've read very much in the comics, so I didn't feel the need to really watch the series. Uh, but again, like, yeah, man, listening to to all the Marvel Plus, I loved hearing you. Like, I was shocked that that Kurt, uh, would, that he loved the show as much as he did, and it was cool hearing um, a couple other people on there, like, giving their takes, because they, they had brought out some points that I probably didn't think of and and obviously missed uh, when I, when I stopped watching after those first two episodes, but yeah, it wasn't that I thought it was bad or anything like that. I just, it just wasn't really hitting me the right way. And so I just stopped watching and that was that. Yeah, man. Uh, Kurt Schmidt loving it. You, you hit the nail on the head, dude. Like who saw that coming? That Kurt doesn't <laughs> like anything, man. That guy, <laughs> he's always picking nits, man. So, um, <laughs> It says something, I think. I, I don't know. I don't know what it says. I, I don't know what it says about about Kurt or about the show, one or the other. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he enjoyed it. And, and I, yeah, I love having Kurt on. He's, he's like a recurring guest as well. It's like a revolving door of, of returning guests on Marvel Plus for the most part. Though. And uh, he, he he's one of my favorites. So, um, And I know he's been on your show as well. And I always enjoy listening to you guys go back and forth as well. His, uh, you guys did a top five. Uh, recently, and his top five was maybe the greatest uh, number one pick for a top five ever. <laughs> when he picked when he picked Tom Cruise as one of the best Wolverine knockoffs. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely the most out of the box thinking that we've had on Talking Snake yeah. so far. Uh, yeah, that I love genius. that. That was great. <laughs> that was, yeah, it really was great. Um, Okay, so and I know already, you know, just the way you mentioned She-Hulk, you're not, uh, <laughs> you're not a fan. Uh, I do know that you kind of weren't really watching it, uh, but you did tune in for the Daredevil episode this week, uh, which I just covered <laughs> yesterday with, uh, with with David Chastain, and it's the episode's out now for anybody who wants to watch it. But um, still not a still not a She-Hulk fan, even with the Daredevil. Uh, what'd you think of Daredevil's uh, first? actual daredevil appearance in the mcu um it was all right it was fine like i didn't hate it i didn't hate when daredevil was on screen uh, i didn't uh -huh. hate when matt murdoch was on screen um i <laughs> i really hope this isn't the tone that they're gonna do in born again like i'm really crossing my fingers that when they say tvma yeah. they mean it um because yeah. i don't know if i can get through 18 episodes of this version of daredevil but yeah, I didn't hate it. Um, I, I'm glad I watched the episode. It was fine. Uh, I actually do think that the actress that plays She-Hulk is great. Uh, again, just like uh, the actress who plays Kamala Khan, just like uh, Iman Vellani, and uh, yeah. just like um, Kate Bishop, actress as well, Haley Steinfeld, just super charming, fun to watch. Uh, but as far as the character, the the writing of the show, the I, I don't know, man. I just I tried to watch the first episode. And like I hated Jen, I just I couldn't get through the episode. I've 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 watched plenty of YouTube 
videos breaking down the episodes and how bad they are. So I'm sure that even uh, if I wanted to, I probably couldn't go back and give it an unbiased watch, which is probably too bad. But yeah, whatever. I, I watched the episode with Daredevil and it was fine. There was some stuff that kind of made me cringe, made me roll my eyes a little bit. Some dialogue uh, and, and, and some I guess, stuff, some technical things. Can, yeah, go can ahead, I guess? Did, Let's see. Did, did, the, did the walk of shame bother you? Because I hated that. I hated the walk of shame in the Daredevil suit in the middle of the day. I was like, come on, don't do it like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, dude, come on. I, th- I think I saw, like, a meme or something where someone went in and, like, changed it around. So it was, like, Daredevil doing a cartwheel, and it said, like, the stride of pride. And I'm like, that's what they should have done. <laughs> like, he yeah. should be over the moon that he just did that with Jen slash She-Hulk. Like, Yes. If anything, this should have shown like, hey, you know, Matt, who's got like hot Electra and like hot Karen. Like, well, guess what? Like he just bagged She-Hulk and like he's yes. not ashamed of it. He's super happy that he did. Like, oh, lucky yeah. him, you know, like that would have been funny. Like that would have been hilarious. I don't know, man. It was it was weird. Like, it's silly. Uh, I don't think he needed to be yeah. carrying his shoes. Like, I feel like when yeah, women why? do it in shows, it's like they've got high heels and like no one wants to walk and do like the slow shameful walk in heels uh but he's wearing like superhero shoes come on (laughs) yeah yeah i um there are definitely some beats in it that that were were not uh as dark as i'd like for daredevil like you though i'm holding out hope that um the only reason we we we've really got the lighter side of of matt and daredevil was because this is a silly procedural like it's supposed to be silly it's you're only seeing that aspect of because that's what this show is bringing out but i'm really hoping to see the return of a dark uh story for for the daredevil series it uh it it reminds me of an episode of the x-files from i want to say it's season one where uh Mulder and scully have to go to this town it's like a small town in like eastern texas or something um and they're investigating a possible vampire coven uh, coven excuse me uh-huh. it's got like the kid from sandlot like the the chubby redheaded kid from sandlot and uh yes green and all that it's got him in there but it's told from like it's told in two perspectives right so one of the perspectives it's told is like Mulder's point of view and the other one is told from scully's point of view and it's the exact same story but when Scully tells it, it's like it's this very serious, very ominous, like scientific breakdown of the events. Yeah. And when Mulder tells it, like every character is just like over the top hick. And it's like it, it, it ends up being like almost this slapstick vampire comedy. Like Marvel is big enough. The MCU is big enough that they can have different things that are happening in Marvel that are told from different perspectives. So like, there's no problem giving us a fun, silly daredevil in the context of she Hulk. It doesn't take away from a serious daredevil. If they actually give us like Netflix level drama in born again. So like I, yeah, like I said, man, I, I didn't hate it. Well, God, man, like you, you and I both are are praying to the daredevil gods <laughs> that uh, that that we get a nice, dark, violent, as can be, uh, daredevil born again series. I, and I can't wait to see because it doesn't seem like they're ignoring completely the continuity, like what what's happened before. 
but I have a feeling like they're not going to call a lot of attention to it. You know, like they're, they're moving on from the Netflix stuff that happened, but I don't think that they're um, wiping out that history. It feels like Daredevil has a past. They even played the music when he mm-hmm. said, I'm Daredevil, which I thought was pretty funny, and she had no idea who he was. <laughs> okay. Well, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. Like as long as they as long as they try to to get that tone as as close as they can, uh, and still have it fit within the MCU, that's that's fine. I mean, even in the comics, yeah. you got dark comics, serious comics, fun. Yeah. Com- like, there's no reason why they can't have all these different genres going. It doesn't all have to be superhero. You know, they they can they can do the dark superhero. It doesn't have to be comedic superhero stuff. So yeah, we'll see. I think uh, I think Echo will will kind of determine. Uh, what's going to happen i feel like that was the going to be the first one that's got the ma tag on it um and it has kingpin and and daredevil are supposed to be in that series so i think that'll be a good indicator of what we can expect from born again so we'll see yes looking forward to that one as well um all right so yeah we're not here just to discuss the mcu at large we're here to discuss this brand new special presentation which i was like i was I'm so glad that they didn't give us too much time to anticipate it. Like they, they showed us a trailer, what, three or four weeks before it dropped. And before that, I feel like it was just like a rumor. Like you weren't <laughs> sure if it was really going to happen. Like, I don't remember seeing anything official. I just kept hearing people say like, Oh, there's going to be a werewolf fight night Halloween special, which they never actually say it's a Halloween special, but you know, right. <laughs> in context, like that's, that's what it, that's what they're doing but yeah i and, and after seeing it i was so pumped just to see like wow this is something different this is something not only is it like this one shot standalone um you know self-contained story it looks like but they're doing this like genre play where they're like going back and they're like paying homage to like monster movies of old and I, I really dug the aesthetic of the trailer and I was like, please let the show be like that. And, you know, I feel like that's what we got. But um, how did you feel going into this werewolf by night special presentation? And did you have any context for the characters going in? All right. So so context for the characters, I had very little like werewolf by night is a name that I recognized. Um, it's a character who I was aware that he existed, but shockingly with, you know, with my love of werewolves, not really a character that I had read a lot of, I think growing up as a kid, maybe in the house, like, I don't know if it was mine or one of my sisters or what it was, but like, I know that at one point we had a comic and I, I want to say it was Marvel showcase. I don't think it was Marvel comics presents, but it was like in the, late eighties, maybe, or early nineties, somewhere around there, they Marvel was putting out these books where like on, on one side, it was one story, right? So you have it, you're holding it in your hand, you're looking at it and it's like, it's one story. But if you flip it upside down and you're looking at the back cover, it's actually just a different cover for a different story. So they would have like two stories in one comic, one on either side. And I remember that we had one that was a werewolf by night comic. And like, I have vague memories of reading through it and not understanding at all what was going on. And like the art in it was like very much 
like 70s style artwork and looking yeah. at x-men comics that i had at the time with like jim lee and rob liefeld art i was like well this is crappy old comics like <laughs> i'm not yeah. gonna even like waste my time with this again uh, so yeah. it, it was a character that like i didn't grow up reading i had no like adult fandom of this character but i knew that he existed uh, same thing goes for man thing i think there's a couple issues like really early on in the claremont run of uncanny x-men where he comes in for like two issues as a guest star i think um, and that's probably the only man thing stuff I've ever read. I'm more familiar with Swamp Thing, um, but from what I understand is like other than their origin, they they the two characters go in like very different directions. So like knowing about DC's Swamp Thing doesn't really mean you know anything about Marvel's Man Thing because they they're right. very different. Um, as far as Elsa Bloodstone goes, um, I only recently became aware of that character. She was a, a playable character in like a Marvel uh, mobile game that I used to have on my cell phone like 10 years ago. Oh. It's a um, Marvel Future Fight, I believe, is the game, if I remember. And I think about the time I was like stopping playing, she had just become uh, like a playable character. So I knew that she kind of had stuff to do with like the supernatural side of Marvel. But otherwise, I know absolutely nothing about who she is, what she does, what her origin is, anything like that. Yeah, I got very much Constantine vibes, right? Like, you know, man thing, swamp thing. Constantine, the bloodstones, right? Yeah. Definitely like, um, whatever, echoes of, of that. Like, DC and Marvel always have, like, the mirror image characters <laughs> like that. And, and mm -hmm. that's exactly what I felt when they introduced... At the very beginning of this show, or whatever it is, the short film, uh, when they started talking about the Bloodstones, I'm like, oh, it's like Constantine. And then later, Joanna Constantine, right? Like, that's what it felt like was going on. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Definitely felt that way. Um, even with, like, Van Helsing vibes, even there was, I think there's a, a show on right now that's, like, the granddaughter of Van Helsing, so... You get the yes. like that monster hunting kind of family vibes from it, absolutely. But yeah, definitely some Constantine vibes. Maybe not like straight up demons and stuff. It's more just like traditional right. monster hunting. But either yeah. way, like I, I see where you're coming from. And like, yeah, I definitely had uh, vibes like that as well watching this. Um, as, as far as uh, being excited for this, I like I very much was uh, just like you. I had heard rumors of like a werewolf by night thing. I had heard rumors that, you know, they cast the dude that that played him. Um, but it, it just it felt like we, we hadn't gotten anything. There was like no official announcement from Marvel. It was just random people like, oh, Gael Garcia Bernal was filmed like leaving the studio for werewolf by night. And everyone's like, haha, yeah, yeah sure. And then all of a right. sudden here it is at D23 and they're like, boom, here's a trailer. <laughs> And it was like, what? Yeah. What? Which is so unlike Marvel nowadays. <laughs> it's like, give us more of this, this secretive thing you got going on, because I love that. You know, have, yeah. come out a month beforehand with one trailer, and that's it. You know, don't give anything away of the plot, and just let us enjoy. It's like, yeah, man, I'm getting real burned out on, like, the nine trailers leading up to something where you get all the greatest parts of the film, all the you know, finding out the Professor X is going to show up in a movie before the movie comes out. That was the the dumbest reveal <laughs> they ever could have done. 
Like they should have saved that. I feel like that was a bigger reveal that they could have saved than Reed Richards. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Such a big deal. Such a big deal. Like, <laughs> come on. Only thing bigger than that would be like, yeah, a Wolverine showing up, right? Like Hugh Jackman showing up. <laughs> but yeah, please yeah. don't, please don't, don't, uh, yeah, go go the Werewolf by Night route because this worked really well. It came out. They gave us the one trailer. It was super vague. The trailer was super vague, oh, and yeah. then it drops. And you know, I don't. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna mince any words. I'm like, I I love this special presentation. I thought it was everything that you know. The the trailer got me so hyped. And I felt it was warranted when I watched it. I'm like, all right, this is this is what I was hoping for. Um, what did you feel like going into? Like you were hyped. Um, what did you get like uh, as your first impression? Those first opening sequences of the film. Dude, I loved it, man. Like uh, the 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 opening sequence of the of the special presentation was great. Uh, it was like it was very eerie. It uh, it yeah. like it made me think of the the beginning of like Bram Stoker's Dracula from what nineteen ninety two, or whatever, yep. where they're like in the stagecoach and they're just going through like the 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 hill and there's like this fog like just this ominous un like clearly unnatural fog, um, you just have this vibe right away like this is super creepy and something creepy is going to happen and it's not going to be like overly scary. It's just going to like keep building this creep factor. And like, that's what I got from like the opening sequence of this film as well with like the dude arriving and like getting situated and like walking through the rooms and stuff. Like that's definitely, I, I, I don't know. I just thought that it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. And I, especially like straight from the beginning, man, I loved like what they did with the Marvel Studios uh, logo and how they changed the music and they did the little like like electrified the Marvel Studios logo and man I mean, just the whole intro was like god they're really leaning into this like every aspect not just the show but like the the opening credits like come on this is <laughs> we're dealing with something else here and I love it man I wish um I, I really hope we get more stuff like this, but um, we we go in. And what I what I love about this is that you need no context for it at all. It yep. really does stand alone. You don't need to know the Bloodstones. You don't because I went in kind of like you, not knowing much at all. I heard of Werewolf by Night. I heard of Man Thing. Um, had not heard of the Bloodstone family, Elsa Bloodstone. None of this. Um, but I don't feel like you needed it at all. In the short amount of time, they gave you everything you needed in this. Like introduced you um to the main ideas the main characters like what's going on with this bloodstone family um all the hunters i like that there was a kind of an opening monologue uh that that told you what was going on like oh we're here at the funeral of uh of ulysses bloodstone and and these hunters are gathered here to earn the right to to the bloodstone like it was like straightforward okay we're in there and I yeah you, we we get you know kind of introduced to everyone but I think that the uh, what is she uh, so Ulysses Bloodstone's widow I guess who's kind of leading this hunt 
or putting on this hunt for the blood, uh, right to have the bloodstone. Mm-hmm. Her delivery was so great, like creepy, like ah, it, it was so good. Just every word she said sounded like it, it really captured that kind of classic monster movie vibe. Yeah. No, definitely, dude. The, 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 like you said, the delivery from, like, the first line she says, every word is, like, dripping with just, like, macabre. It's got yes. it's just, like, the, oh, man, like, the tone she had. Dude, like, it's so good. It, it, it She kind of sounded like the, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, Disneyland or Disney World, where you go on, like, the Haunted Mansion, and there's, like, the head and the crystal ball, and she's, like, telling you about the mansion and stuff. But it's, like, creepy and, like, foreboding that's like that was her dude like it was a living breathing version of that like i got those same feelings that like the creepiness i used to feel as a kid on like that ride like i felt it as an adult watching this this special okay now i want to talk about what i felt like was the creepiest thing in the entire film the ulysses in a box (laughs) brought out the Ulysses in the box I was like what are they doing they they have a puppetized uh dead body <laughs> with a recording playing through him oh man that was so creepy that was so I was like a little disturbed especially knowing that like hey I'm watching a Disney property right now like this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of gross <laughs> Yes. Yeah, man. Like he's oh, he's got just like those sunken dead eyes. He's got like clearly cuts and incisions and sewn back on from autopsies or whatever, you know, and he's yeah, he's all animated and I love like the practical effect look that they went for and stuff too, yeah. and not just like CG with mo mocap or anything. Like they just put like yeah. a really cheap looking like skeletal animatronic guy puppet thing in there and like moved it and everything. And like it it felt like a 30s horror movie where yes, you have to you have to puppeteer that stuff. And so the movement is all janky and everything. I loved it. It was all jerky and stuff, like him moving his yeah. head and everything. Oh, dude, it was it, oh, it was so good. I'm gonna be saying it was so good at the end of like every sentence. I think as we as we go through this episode. Yeah, same. And I I love that it took something that feels nothing like the MCU at all to get you to like something that was MCU this year. <laughs> yeah, I've but been maybe waiting that's what for it is. this, like, man. Yeah, they they're they're shaking it up. I dig it, man. Yeah, I, I have been waiting for this because I know that uh, going back to last year with WandaVision, it was like the first three or four episodes really felt like something brand new. Like we had never seen yeah. anything like this in the MCU before. And then it's just slowly devolved back into like a typical MCU film just yeah. split up over the last like six episodes. And like every series yeah. that we've seen they've done some different things and they've explored some new avenues, but overall it has felt just like a regular MCU movie, but this didn't feel like MCU at all. Like I didn't get MCU. Maybe the, when we get to it, like the very end, sort of some of the banter, but like all of the, Uh all of the stuff that we get that's, that's in the black and white, 
none of that felt like MCU. Yes. It, it felt like something completely original and completely on its own, not existing in the MCU, just three different characters watching this like random story. Yeah, and I could see it being, I, I could still see it being a Disney property. Like it still had that feel like creepy, but your kids could still watch it. Um, you know, like a, like, like a hocus pocus or something like that. Right. Like you get those vibes or like, um, I don't know, the witches, like my kids, like the witches, that, that kind of, that kind of a vibe, but, um, yeah, you're right. It didn't feel MCU. The only MCU vibes I got from it was, um, the fight scenes, right? Like whenever the hunters are fighting each other, when Elsa is taking on uh, the other hunters, I kind of got MCU vibes. She's moving around kind of like Black Widow. She's a badass. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But it, it it was, it's it's still cool because like, you know, there's plenty of things that are not uh, Marvel related that are people hunting monsters and fighting them. So it easily could have been something else. But that was the only thing that where I felt like, oh yeah, it's still a, it's still a superhero thing a little bit. Yeah, that's, but other than yeah, that, I'd forgotten about the Black Widow takedown, but yeah. Other than that, it felt it felt like its own thing, and that's it, I I appreciate that so much, and just the fact that this can exist and still be part of the MCU, and I don't know how much they're going to connect it, um, but you know, for my money, I say maybe if you want to do a little dark dark corner horror horror corner of the MCU. And just kind of have those things interact with each other, but not not too much interaction with the wider world of MCU. I'd totally be down for that. Yeah, same here, man. Like the dark corner, um, you know, it's kind of like Justice League Dark. I think it's like the Midnight Suns corner in uh, in, uh-huh. in Marvel, right? I think that's what the the comic series that kind of brings all these characters together is um, Midnight Suns, and like we know we're getting Blade eventually and stuff and we've got like black knight we've got moon knight you know so we have a couple of characters that that would be able to kind of team up outside of of the avengers and the young avengers and the thunderbolts and all that stuff so yeah i definitely think this kind of opens the door for that Um, as far as like how it all connects i i did a little bit of research so that we can have some knowledge while we were recording i i went back and i read werewolf by night number one so it's not his first appearance or anything but it's his first issue of his like solo title and i discovered while reading this issue that the darkhold was owned by like his father and it had been passed down in his family generation by generation dating all the way Uh, back to the like the dracula era so that's a possible avenue to bring different parts of the MCU together as we continue. Cause I don't remember what happened to the dark hold at the end of uh, multiverse of madness, but if it's still, if it's still out there somewhere uh, that, that could be a reason that uh, Jack Russell werewolf by night and the rest of these characters kind of come into the forefront or into the main MCU. But I, I at the same time, like I I'm okay with them not really ever crossing over. Like it's okay for them to exist simultaneously in a shared universe and not have to cross over. Not everything has to cross over. Sure. Plenty of stuff goes on in the world that I'm not, you know, physically present for. I don't don't have to actually (laughs) interact with stuff to know that it exists. Um, (laughs) Right. 
So yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all, especially if they want to keep a little horror genre, like just keep that stuff together. That'd be great. Um, and then, hey, you want them to show up in, in Secret Wars for a little cameo? Great. You could do that. But I don't need them showing up in, you know, Captain America 4. I, you know, I don't need to see uh, Jack Russell interacting with Sam Wilson or something like that. It's not necessary. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, no, like you said, like a little piece of Secret War where like Jack Russell goes running by and Ant-Man's like, yeah. is that a? Was that a fucking werewolf? <laughs> like, what is yeah, going exactly. on? And then, yeah. like, and that's it, you know, and just leaving it at that. Um, yep. Yeah, I don't. Or he, pops he doesn't up, need like, to be like maybe he pops punching up. Hydra. Yeah, he pops up in a, a post-credit scene of Blade or something. And you're like, oh, <laughs> what are they doing? What are they gonna yeah. do? <laughs> like that. That would work. But yeah, I don't. I don't need him to interact in, in the wide universe, in, or or even have a huge role in the MCU. Like, just yeah, yeah. tag out. Um, I, I do see the potential for for it being part of the larger MCU just because of the ending of this when they went went back to color um, or introduced color for the first time really besides the Bloodstone. Uh, I really dug the Wizard of Oz callback with somewhere over the rainbow bringing in the bringing in the color like oh man what a great touch and and yeah not only that they're referencing Wizard of Oz with the with the color aspect but also that's the same era. Wizard of Oz came out, what, 1930? 1920-something? 30-something. 1930-something? 39, maybe? Something like that? There you go. So, yeah, it's right in that era that they're kind of paying homage to, and I I just thought that was a perfect addition to throw in there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. With the, the hunters that they introduce, I didn't recognize any, any one of the hunters. Um, the only one that really got any real play was the the Irish guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. Like the other characters, barely had any lines. But I thought they were great, man. I, I love that they that they had these different monster hunters from around the world. And when they introduced them, something I noticed. Um, oh, by the way, this I just remembered this. I was going to say when you brought up the kind of family history of Jack Russell. Did you notice the scene in this where they, they, they don't need to tell you the whole story, but they just make a slight reference to the fact, you know, where he's referencing how families kind of uh, uh, follow you, whether you want them to or not. Like the legacy of the family kind of is a, is a present thing in your life, no matter what, like there he's relating to Elsa in that scene i thought that was perfect a perfect way to go like hey uh i've got some family history going on too with this whole uh issue i've got going on yeah yeah that was cool i, I like how he he kind of kept his identity secret but yeah he he built on that there was one too that he said with uh when they were locked in there and he said something like you know you don't have to worry about me I, i'm i'm just here to help my friend um uh, I, I don't yeah. really want the bloodstone just as long as we get out of here before there's a full moon. I, I love that because yes. it was like, oh, he kind of slipped up. Like he he, he he pretty much just outed himself as a werewolf. But all right. <laughs> yeah, I like that, though. He was like immediately he knew that it was like a kindred spirit. Yes. Yeah. And I like uh, so. Yeah, I like everything. Obviously, I, I, every, every time everything I say starts with <laughs> I like how. Um. But so when they're introducing the hunters, this is something I noticed the first time I watched it that I was like, huh, I wonder why they're wording it like that. 
um, because we don't know what's going to happen. Like, we're kind of wondering, like, why is Jack Russell here with these hunters? Um, is he is he part of the plot? Or does someone know that he's a werewolf and he's going to be unleashed and he's the monster they're going to be hunting? Like, that's where I thought it was going originally. I thought it was like, we're going to embed the monster in here and these hunters are going to be surprised by it. And, you know, whoever he doesn't kill or whoever kills him wins the bloodstone but that's kind of where i thought they were going i didn't realize there was going to be another monster outside of that and when they're introducing them all uh, the widow is kind of saying like this person has this many kills and this person has this many confirmed kills and then when she gets to jack russell she says um, over 100 deaths she doesn't say kills and she doesn't say confirmed kills which she does for everyone else she says deaths like by itself and so i was like i thought she was already in on it like she she knew what he was but clearly you know it's it's kind of revealed later on but when they introduced i, I felt like it was a little bit of a twist like that they brought in this monster he's embedded in this group of hunters and they're hunting man thing that's that's the actual monster that, that they're out hunting, which I thought was a cool little addition um, that I think you saw if you looked quickly in the trailer for this. But I don't think anyone recognized that that was Man Thing. And like maybe it was because it was so quick and in black and white and it looked, you know, very um, practical effects that people didn't recognize that that's what it was. Um, but it seemed like the whole Internet was kind of surprised, like was kind of like, holy crap, it's Man Thing. <laughs> yeah i saw a couple of posts and stuff where people are like yo is this man thing and other people were uh -huh. like no no way that can't be man thing and then yeah when uh when we get into the episode uh or in, into the presentation and, and that's the monster that they're hunting uh it was like okay that was man thing awesome like he he looks cool like i don't know what they did but they they clearly use like yeah. practical effects to to make this suit uh, and and I loved it, man. I, I thought Man Thing looked so cool in this. I did too. One, it was one of my favorite things about it. It's like that and the the, the puppetized Ulysses Bloodstone were my favorite things about about the episode. Um, you know, like like we've already said that the acting was really great all throughout. The delivery of the lines was really great. Um, just the whole thing, man. It felt so great. The only complaint I had is like, hey, man, this could have been 20 minutes longer and I'd have been completely happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so exactly. Like, you could have gone like if, that, if your only complaint minutes. is. Yeah, if your only complaint is I didn't get enough of it. Like, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> it's got to be pretty damn good. Yeah, no, I, I would not have said no to a little bit more background for a few of the hunters or maybe a little bit more background for Ulysses, uh, anything yes. like that. But like it, at the same yeah. time, it wasn't necessarily needed. Like they they told the story they needed to in what, like 52 minutes. And, and it was good. Everything about it was was good. It was as good as it needed to be. Yeah. And and yeah, like I, I definitely could have used more. But I, I still think that what they gave yeah. us was was pretty great. Like they didn't mess around. They didn't. That's one thing I'm sitting here like I could have easily watched like a dinner scene, but they didn't need one. And so they didn't put one in there just for the hell of it. They just they, 
they needed everyone to be there. So everyone was already there before Jack Russell got there. Then he gets there. Things are about to start. One last guest shows up. And then they're like, all right, now that everyone's here, you've all, you're all hunters. You've all killed a bunch of monsters. And you're going to hunt one more monster. Whoever kills a monster gets the bloodstone and becomes the leader of the hunters. And that's it, man. Like, that is that is it. They immediately go into yes. it. It, it, it it's the pacing was breakneck and there's like one little bump in the road yeah. it was so it, like it was really great it was an, enough to get the two characters that needed to be together together explain their stuff introduce each other and then you have like the final showdown and you get this great showdown and then boom you're done and like it it got through all three acts that it needed to i don't know it was just very well done <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny, we, we, you know, we're watching these six or nine episode series that span, you know, several hours of content, and a lot of those can't seem to to nail the landing. A lot of those can't seem to wrap up a story in a, in a nice, neat little package, you know? Like, even, even though you're making a six-episode series, which is vastly shorter than most series before these series, you know, like most series are 10, 12 episodes of everything else before we started getting these MCU series. And even, even with that six episode, like span, they have trouble now in the landing. They have trouble in the middle with like, you know, they meander a little bit and tell us stuff we don't need to know. And like for them to do this so well in, in such like in basically the length of an episode of like Hawkeye or something, right. They told an entire story. They didn't need, they didn't need six weeks to tell it. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't. There's nothing about like the ending where I went, man, I that didn't make sense. Like it, it, they just nailed it, man. Like whoever they got to write this, they need to get writing some other stuff because, um, yeah. you know, I enjoy all of the MCU to different levels. Um, but this one right right now uh, for this year, it's right there at the top, dude, like for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, obviously it is for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've got what do we got left? The the rest of She Hulk, which isn't much. Uh, we got Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which I don't have high hopes for. Um, <laughs> I just don't. Um, but then Wakanda Wakanda Forever is like the next big thing that I think could has potential to be in my like top three or four of the year. You know, I I feel like Doctor yeah. Strange will probably be up there yeah. somewhere. Um, the Love and Thunder will not. Um, <laughs> but 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 this show and Wakanda Forever. I'm 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 already predicting my top three is probably going to be something like that, like Wakanda Forever, Werewolf by Night, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of foresee that being mine as well, um, because until Werewolf by Night, Multiverse of Madness is really the only thing that I've I've really liked, and even that one, man, I didn't. I didn't love it. Like there were, there was some stuff in the story that I, I wasn't a huge fan of some uh, character choices that I didn't really love. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I liked Dr. Strange. I liked Wong. Um, I liked America. I thought she was cool. Uh, I love the Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell scene. Cause you know, it's Sam Raimi. So you got to throw that in there. And I liked a lot of, of the, of the Raimi isms. There were a couple of sequences in that movie that were like very much Sam Raimi, like doing his thing. And I, yeah. I really loved those those particular scenes. Um, you know, s- story wise, it was fine. 
but I, I think just because it felt like Raimi, it, it, it really worked for me. Um, so yeah, like that was like the first thing of the year or the second thing of the year. And like, it's right. been, it's been the bar to, to pass. And I, I think werewolf by night has, and yeah, I think, uh, I think, um, Wakanda forever is, is definitely going to be up there with those two. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I, um, yeah, I'm actually going to be doing. I don't know if I don't know if I told you this or not. I'm pretty sure we've discussed it, but um, I'm actually going to be doing my own panel at a at a con here in Columbus, and I hopefully this all works out. Um, I've been approved for it, um, kind of been invited to it, so hopefully it works out. But I plan to do a live show uh, of Marvel Plus, and you know, there's no real content out at that time, and so I figured I would do like the basically what I did last year, which is like a uh, ranking of everything from 2022 in the MCU, and um, yeah, so that's why like my mind is going there already. Like, how am I going to rank these things? Because you know, basically, <laughs> right after Wakanda Forever comes out, I got to figure out what whatever it is my top seven or whatever it ends up. Being. Yeah. Yeah. No, Were- Werewolf by Night needs to be up there because this was this was awesome. Yeah, it really, I, dude, it, the only thing, like I said, the, the only thing about it is that, like, I want more of <laughs> I don't want any more of it right now. Like, just keep, let, let it breathe a little bit, because it really was that good. I, I was so pumped about it. I don't usually do, like, a separate review thing um, covering this MCU stuff. I usually just cover it on Marvel+. Plus. But, you know, I have a, a YouTube channel as well, and, and another kind of pop culture entertainment right now like day of and so yeah i mean that, that's saying something i couldn't wait to talk to you about it i had to get the initial <laughs> thoughts out there first but nice. <laughs> i'm glad i did I, and I'm, I'm glad i did uh, get to sit down and like do a long form with you about it because well for one it, it's nice to hear you like something again um <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah. good feeling um and uh yeah man and it's a good reason to get you back on the show it's like you know maybe you haven't been enjoying the stuff thus far but like you come back on the show and it's something you absolutely love and so i'm I'm really glad that I, we were able to share this moment of uh loving werewolf by night <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean it's talking all that but like people tune into your show because because they like the marvel stuff and they want to hear people gush about it and i don't want to come on and and rain on anybody's parade and, and be like, no, it was dumb. Like that's, that's not my style. So yeah, I was, I was really <laughs> looking forward. Like, I think one of my favorite things about the werewolf by night trailer was like, Hey, we should, uh, I, I gotta have, I'm gonna have to be on Marvel plus for this one. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 It was exciting. Like, and I, I had a feeling like once that, that trailer came out, I'm like, yeah, I think, I, I think we're all going to like this one. As long as it, <laughs> the trailer is representative of what the show actually is. And, my god it was it was per- like that trailer perfectly told us what the show was without telling us any details about it i loved it yeah no they, they did a great job cutting that trailer together they showed us just enough to get us super interested like we knew it was called werewolf by night but they didn't show the werewolf like that was cool no. um they, they didn't give us like 
any of the important story bits. So we didn't really know what was going on other than there's like this eclectic cast of characters and they're hunting a monster, but like, we don't understand why or anything. You kind of get the idea that it's maybe a game because they showed the, like the Ulysses scene where he's like, I'll be rotting for you. You know, like you get that <laughs> yes. like silly macabre kind of like a, Oh man. Like, so I get, I don't know if you've ever read any of these comics from the fifties, Brett, maybe not, but um, EC Comics, it was a horror comics publication. No. So I have not. <laughs> EC Comics was, uh, well, they were horror comics, you know, Crypt Keeper kind of stuff, uh, yeah. you know, terrible macabre things like that. They had like, you know, gratuitous violence and, and all that stuff. It was part of the reason why the Comics Code Authority was created was mm-hmm. so that the comics industry can like not make these kind of comics anymore so that they didn't get banned, you know? Um, yeah. And like, this is, I kind of feel like this, this, the, the Ulysses character is like very much in that same vein. Of course they were coming out in like the, the forties and fifties, which wasn't too far after like all the hammer productions of all the, the cheesy horror movies from the thirties and forties, which I captured all of that vibe. But yeah, that was one of the, one of the things I wanted to throw out there was the EC comics stuff. Cause I was, I've always found that whole, that whole story, like really interesting that like some parents were like, what the hell are my kids reading? And then like yes. the Senate gets involved and they're about to ban comics and stuff and like destroy the entire industry. And <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't until after uh, the comics code authority, like updated their requirements in the seventies when we finally got werewolf by night back because like yeah. I was going through and reading um, like the wiki for werewolf by night and there was a story called Werewolf by Night that was actually published by Atlas Comics in like 1954 before the Comics Code Authority was created. And then after that, uh, after the CCA was was made, they didn't do another werewolf story until the 70s when like um, a lot of the guidelines were were loosened. So that's crazy. So so, yeah, like you definitely get um, EC Comics vibes from like Ulysses and, and a couple of the other like monster heads on the wall and stuff. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. What, you know what else uh, that you're bringing that up? It reminds me of um, creep show. I was a big fan of the oh, creep yeah. show films and I kind of got those vibes here, at least the, so I don't think creep show. I'm pretty sure it was never an actual comic, but they made it like that. Those movies modeled it as if, it was based on a comic book. It was like a kid reading a comic book. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was definitely, it was, it was, uh, hearkening back to that era of, you know, kids reading horror comics and horror comics were really big before the comics code authority was established and then kind of came back afterwards. And so, yeah, that's, that's some interesting history there. I didn't know all that, that there was a, a, a werewolf by night comic before the werewolf by night comic. That's interesting. Um, now, something I wanted to to mention, you, you brought up that they didn't show the werewolf at all in the trailer. And we don't get to see the werewolf until like, you know, a good, what, 30 some minutes into the, the show as well. Um, but what did you think of the fact that they they went with the old timey like Wolfman look 
for the werewolf rather than like a CGI or even like some sort of animatronic like werewolf. They actually use just a, a hairy guy like, you know, like the Wolfman movies <laughs> of old. Yeah, no, I loved it, dude. It, like it, it fits with the what they were homaging, you know, the, the 30s, 40s horror movies, the the 70s, yeah. like practical effects, you know, like they, I feel like they really did that justice like they they were really like yeah. look this is what came before and we loved it and like that's what we want our fans to feel too uh, so yeah i loved it um a lot of the early appearances like the the throughout the until like fairly recently when jack russell transforms it is more of a wolf man than a werewolf like he doesn't have the wolf snout or the ears or anything yeah. he's just like the hairy guy with the fangs and uh I thought it, I thought it looked cool. He he was almost like a he was almost like too shaggy for me. Like I thought it was actually like they really went all out and was like, no, he's not just like, you know, he's not a well kept wolf man. Like he's yeah, he's pretty vicious and wild. So I thought that was really yeah. cool. I thought he looked awesome. Yeah, I I loved it too. I I just love that they they went with that because you know, in any other context, yeah, it would be silly. People are like, what are they doing? You know, but in this context, it worked perfectly. It's like exactly the vibe they, they were going for. And they nailed it by doing that. Like if they would have brought in some like, you know, uh, like you're saying, like if they would have put a snout on him and made it like this CGI wolf, it would not have fit in this kind of uh, like very genre homaging show. But they didn't. They went with the with the very practical Wolfman look. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a, a perfect way to uh, to do it, man. I, it wouldn't have worked any other way. Any other way wouldn't have felt right. So I'm so glad that they did that. Yeah, and, um, and it really gave them the freedom to do all of the action because, like, he doesn't just turn mm -hmm. into the Wolfman and like run into the woods. Like, he actually fights some dudes and like that are wearing like. I don't know, like body armor, kind of like security type people. Like he, he fights, yeah. he, like he throws down with a couple of them. I love that scene where like the, the lights kind of go out and then they all come back on and he's, he's gone. And like, I just, I, you, I loved him when you like kind of see him on the wall, like the outline of him on the wall. And then when he jumps down to make his like first attack, that was so cool. And like, I don't, I don't know, like yeah. it would have looked fine in like if they did like this huge hulking werewolf in cgi but i thought it looked way cooler going with like more of a practical style effect i just you can track the action so much better and i don't know oh, it's yeah. just very cool how they do that yeah they didn't have to do the quick cut action that that marvel is like used to doing um you know i think it's why everyone loved the like the hallway scene in, in daredevil so much because it was like you could see what was happening and it was so drawn out and it wasn't a cut scene. It was one long scene, you know, uh, one long shot. And it's like, yeah, you can do that if you just have a guy in a suit so much better than you can do if you're you're trying to, like, um, obscure the fact that, you know, it's CGI. And, you know, if you look too closely, it doesn't look real. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was great, dude. And I love like they had him you know, they showed the werewolf powers, like he's leaping like, you know, 60 feet in the air onto stuff and um, throwing people around. I loved when the the widow gets kind of like sucked to the cage, like her arm pulled into the cage and oh they just do that close up of her face. It was so like old horror. I loved it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, well, hey, man, I, I feel like we cover. Is there anything else that you want to mention about this 
wonderful, amazing show. Yeah, I think we can probably talk a little bit about Man Thing um, and maybe even a little bit about Elsa Bloodstone, although there's not really much to say about her. You know, she's like the estranged daughter of of Ulysses, uh, who who didn't just want to flat out give her the Bloodstone. She seems to be like the black sheep of the family and like her coming back and like her personal journey to be like, yeah, this is my family's legacy, but like whatever, I'm not into all this violence and monster killing. I have other plans for the bloodstone. And so I want to take it. Like, I I think there were, there were a lot of people that were making um, like um, comparisons between the actress who played her and the one that played, uh, Jessica Jones, Kristen Ritter, because they have like a similar yeah. look, right? They have like dark hair and stuff and like big eyes. Uh, and and there were a lot of that. And I think there were some people that were <laughs> were calling her a poor man's Jessica Jones. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Which, is, which is not cool because like I felt that she was a really fleshed out character who had very solid motivations. And like I'm looking forward to seeing more of Elsa Bloodstone if they ever get around to giving us more. Uh, what did, what were your thoughts on, on Elsa and like what she brought to the story? Well, it's interesting because we were talking earlier about how like it, it didn't leave you wondering anything, right? Like it kind of answered all the questions it needed to answer and, and told you a complete story. Um, but there was one thing that we kind of never got an answer to that I think is open uh, to explore in later projects if they want to bring her in for something. Um, and that's why did she want the bloodstone because they hinted at like you know they're like oh do you want it for the longevity do you want it for this like and she was like you know it's none of your business once i get it it's that's you know that's that's my business who cares when i walk out of here with it um i'll have it and that's just all there is to it so um i don't think they ever actually revealed why she wanted it we knew that jack did not want it he didn't care about it at all he's like you know you can have it i I just want to free my friend um but yeah. So what do you think about that? Kind of like leaving it open-ended, like what does Elsa want with the bloodstone then? If she's not interested in, in all the typical things that people would want it for. Yeah, no. And she didn't just want it. Cause it's like a piece of jewelry or anything like that. Like she has a legit reason for yeah. wanting it. Like she clearly has designs to use this for a purpose. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, I think I heard, so <laughs> I heard a rumor again. I don't know if this one's true, just like I didn't know if the werewolf by night one was true. But like I heard yeah. um, on, you know, on Instagram and, and various posts on social media that they are planning to do um, the the special present one special presentation for Elsa Bloodstone and at least one for Man Thing. So it's almost like we're getting a trilogy of these characters. Okay. And so I think their paths will cross again in the future. Hopefully we'll we'll be able to see what it is she's going to do with that. And then at the same time, get more Jack Russell uh, and get more man thing, which I'm, I'm all about. Cause like I said, I really liked man thing in this as well. Um, I thought mm-hmm. that he looked really great. I can't tell if it's CGI or if it was practical effects or a mix of both, but either way it looked great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it must've been a mix just because of the movement of it. It didn't feel CGI. And if it, if it, if it wasn't CGI, then, I mean, if it was CGI, then it was really good CGI because it looked like actual movements of a, like a person in a suit or a puppet or something. Yeah. Like it, it felt like it was really there. Yes. Yeah. No, it, there, there was like gravity to the character's presence on screen the few times mm-hmm. that he showed up. 
and, and like we got to see him do some cool stuff too, like grab one of the one of the hunters and like burn him. That was yes. that was freaking rad. Um, that was I like unexpected. He... <laughs> I don't know anything about uh, about man things, so I don't know. Is that like a power set that he has? Like I can just uh, burn someone's head off by touching it? Like I had no idea. So that was that completely caught me off guard. Like I thought he was gonna rip his head off, or he was gonna slash him, or something, or eat him. But no, he just incinerates him by grabbing his head. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in the X Men issue, there's like two issues I think where where Man Thing shows up. And that's like one of the things that he does. Um, so I, I, I wasn't too shocked to see him do that, but it's, it was still cool. It was like, yes, yeah, get a man thing. Yeah. Um, and I loved yeah. man thing at the end, man. Like that, the ending sequence was like, I, ironically, it was like the most MCU of all the yes. scenes. But I, but yeah. I loved it. Like, nevertheless, I loved it. Uh, that that final scene where where Jack Russell wakes up and he's he's Jack Russell again. He's not the werewolf anymore. And he wakes up in the tent and he comes out out of this tent and there's like a campsite <laughs> with like a fire and like tending to the fire is like man thing just chilling there at the campsite. And like they tea, had right? this little, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had like their little banter and stuff. Like it was cute, man. Like I really liked it. I was yeah. like, oh, they're friends. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. Like just seeing that the, that the monster enjoys tea as well. Like it's just, you don't imagine them doing human things. So when they they do it, it's really cute. Uh, yeah, man, I I love that. I love that scene. I love that they brought in the color at that point. It was like letting you know that the 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 it's a happy ending, you know, even after all the death that that ensued. Um, and I love rooting for the monsters, man. Like how cool was that? We're rooting for the monsters this entire presentation right this entire short film <laughs> we're rooting for the monsters and all the humans were like kill them kill them get them <laughs> i love it yeah yeah really great i mean like in, in monster movies like you th you can think the monsters are cool like especially like vampire movies right like even mm -hmm. the scare the, the scary ones the the lame ones the vampires are always the cooler characters but at the same time you still want the bad vampires to die uh, yeah. but like they completely flipped the script where you're like, no man thing. And, and the, and the werewolf are the good guys. And like these monster <laughs> yeah. hunters are clearly the villainous evil people that need to be taken out. That was cool. Yeah. And everything else you'd be rooting for the, the monster hunters, right? Like how many movies had they made about people that hunt monsters or demons or what have you, you know, that's who you're rooting for. You're not rooting for the monsters to win out. And yeah, yeah, it was definitely it flipped it on its head, uh, and and I loved it. And and the characters were endearing. Like by the end, you're like, like you said, you're like, oh, it's <laughs> nice to see them enjoying a moment together. And in daylight, well, I love that too. Like yeah. the whole thing was very dark. It was very much happening at night. The hunt was happening at night, and then you get like, oh, this is what man thing looks like in the middle of the day, uh, sitting outside, like just enjoying a, a, a nice afternoon. I loved it. They they set this really cool precedent for it, too, where it's like anytime it's going to be a happy scene or mm -hmm. a daytime scene, it's in color. And every time yeah. there's going to be some messed up monster violence, yeah. they flip it over. You know, that you do a, a, a what is it like a hidden edit where the camera passes through a shadow and then it's black and white for the for all of the, the monster stuff like that would be really cool to do like an, another werewolf by night project where during the day it's all in color 
And then like the moon comes up and you're looking at the moon yes. and the stars. So it's black and white. And then when the camera pans down to the, to the world, it's all in black and white too. Like, so it's like, you know, cueing you in like, Oh yeah, we're about to get some werewolf stuff. Yeah. I do have to great. point out though, Brett, I, I do have to point out, I always root for the werewolf. Yeah, I know you're here, a big werewolf guy. I, one, I remember one of the first like non Wolverine stories that you covered on on Talking Snick was the Cap Wolf, right? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I yeah, you are a big fan of werewolves, and that, that, that you're right. I am pretty surprised that you weren't a bigger Werewolf by Night fan already. Like you should have been the resident Werewolf by Night guy coming on here to talk about Werewolf by Night. Very surprised yeah. that you didn't have more more uh, more knowledge of it, but it's great because um, kind of like Moon Knight, right? You go in with you know no expectations, not low, not high, really, other than that trailer. Um, but you don't know what to expect of the character, and it's it's kind of cool to just let it unfold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's gonna do it, man. Like I think we both thoroughly enjoyed werewolf by night and we're hoping for more um i think your idea is is great about like i i definitely think if they do another werewolf by night they should start the episode in color and have people go, what color like i i like the the black and white i like the old monster movie feel and then have it switch that would be all like a like a you remember in kill bill volume one when they go black and white when it gets really bloody and violent and then it yes. snaps back at like that would that that's just great. That's great. Yeah. I want to see that happen. I want to see it start in color next time and then go black and white. That would be great. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. Oh, man. This such a great job. I'm so, so looking forward to more if they decide to give it to us. Mm-hmm. At, at least more dark stuff, at least more horror genre stuff, even if it's not werewolf by night, like. Give me some other monster movie type stuff. Give me some other like uh, horror comic stuff brought to life or just darker stories even. Right. Um, give yeah. us also Bloodstone hunting or or being hunted by something or something like that. Um, yeah. Give give us that, a minute for the Blade movie that's coming out since they're like rewriting the script and finding a new director yes. now. Um, yes. Give us a mix of Wesley Snipes Blade and this like give us this tone with with Wesley's presence, you know um mm-hmm. like the the dude that's playing blade mahershala ali like he absolutely can can nail that so like don't yeah. be afraid like since they're going back to the drawing room like don't be afraid to, to do something like this like it doesn't have to be a superhero type movie like give us give us the horror stuff like it's vampires yeah. for crying out loud like yes. give us some vampire horror the the world needs vampire horror like we still don't have twilight we just still don't have the taste of Twilight washed out of our mouths yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just make it a vampire movie, man. You know, it doesn't have to be a superhero movie, really. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that's the best aspects of, of vampire stuff. Anyway, even of the Blade movies, I love the vampire stuff that was going on. Whatever was happening um, on the vampire side of the story was like the most interesting thing. It was more interesting to me than than the Blade and Whistler story. Right. Like I, yeah. I love like the what's going on in this secret world of vampires that are like um, tricking humans into uh, coming into their world and then being slaughtered. I loved it. I loved all that stuff. Like all this, uh, you know, it was like a spy thriller, but with vampires. Oh, oh man. 
<laughs> I'm getting you excited now. Um, oh, dude. So back like 10 years ago, <laughs> I, uh, I I picked up um, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and I read that yeah. book and it was really cool. And so I was like super in the mood for vampires. I really wanted to read some vampire books. And I stumbled upon this book at the grocery store called The President's Vampire. And it was mm-hmm. literally about a spy vampire. And wow. I had to, st- I stopped reading like 30 pages into this book. It was the worst thing I have ever read. Oh, but I still hold out hope that someone can deliver like a rad spy vampire story at some point. <laughs> but just, yeah. you said that I, I, and it compl- like I f- completely forgot about that book and then boom, there it was. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like it could be done too. Like, um, even if you're like in- inserting a vampire into a human world to like do some some sort of spy work for the vampires or something like that. Like, make it all I don't know. Make it all like uh, cloak and dagger type uh, espionage feel. I think it could work with vampires. I, I just about anything can work with vampires. They did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Come on. <laughs> And it was awesome. The book, not the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love it. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get some more of this. Um, now. What do you have going on in terms of talking snicked? Because I, I know you're doing something a little different right now uh, over there. Uh, but but tell everybody kind of what your plans are going forward for talking snick, because I know for a while now you've been doing a lot of the. Um, Saturday morning Snicktoons where you cover uh, X-Men, the animated series episode by episode. I've been over there a couple times. It's always a lot of fun. You have guests on, which is not the norm for talking Snicked. You know, it, it was normally just a one man show, but now you're doing the, the guests come on and talk about X-Men. Um, but you've got something else going on for the month of October. So, so tell people about that and like where they can find your podcast and all that. I'm sure they know already if they've listened to my show at all. But go ahead. Well, well, it has been a year, so they may have forgotten who I am. Um, yes. So, yeah, I, I am the host of Talking Snick, the Wolverine show. Uh, I also host a show called Saturday Morning Snick Tunes. Like, like you said, I, I break down X-Men, the animated series, episode by episode, usually with a guest. Um, I've, I've kind of hit a wall right now with some scheduling stuff. I'm really working on uh, getting this next guest host back on. Uh, to cover the episode that uh, that she originally wanted to, so I'm working on that right now. It's it mostly fe- uh, falls on on my shoulders, just being really bad at scheduling um, and being super unprofessional with with trying to make sure that I have this stuff hammered out. So that one's kind of taking a break, um, but we're almost at the very end of season three. So I'm almost done with three seasons of of X Men the animated series, and then hopefully really be ramping it up so that I can have all of X Men Taz done by the time X Men ninety seven comes out. But on Talkin' Snick proper, uh, right now for the month of October, every Wednesday this month, I am actually covering issue by issue the four-issue Nightcrawler miniseries from 1985. One of my absolute favorite X-Men stories of all time, obviously favorite Nightcrawler story of all time. Um, and so, yeah, for the month of October, Talkin' Snick is actually Talkin' Banff, the Nightcrawler show. I love it, dude. I love one thing I've always loved about talking snicked proper is you don't have to have read the comic. You go through it in such detail and talk about like, I mean, you're talking about different panels and, and you're talking about like the the story, like beat for beat. And it's like, 
I can be entertained by just listening to you go through the comic and, and talk about your opinions on it. It's like, I don't, you know, I, I would say I don't need to read the comic, but yeah, you don't need to read the comic, but it's like a lot of times you entice me then to go actually read the comic that you're covering, even though I already know how it ends. So it, it's a <laughs> lot of fun to just listening to you go through. I, I especially love it when you go through issue by issue like this. Yeah, no, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I read through the issue a couple of times before I record so that I'm, I'm you know, familiar with it. And then, yeah, I just kind of sit there uh, with the comic on my lap or on my iPad or whatever and just go through page by page. And I try to relate the story. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to do it that way. Super rewarding because it it makes me fixate on things that maybe otherwise I would skip over on a, on a you know, in a single read through. Uh, it's just a fun yeah. way. It's, it's fun for me to go back and like, read them with an eye, like, how am I going to relate this to the listeners? And then, uh, you know, g- gives me a, a greater appreciation for that stuff as well. And yeah, I always try to throw in some, some personal connections to it or, or whatever, if I can, or, you mm-hmm. know, give a, a brief history of, of where the X-Men were at the time or where the industry was at the time. And yeah, I don't know. I just try to throw as much as I can in there. So yeah, I, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, definitely. Everybody go check that out because, um, like I said, it's not even Wolverine. And I'm like enthralled by this Nightcrawler story already. Like, I'm just waiting for the next episode to find out what happens next in this Nightcrawler mini. So can't wait, dude. Um, I and I I dug the little surprise of it being Nightcrawler month because you did kind of keep that close to the vest up until you actually dropped the episode. And I was like, what? Talking bam. Okay, All right. Um, (laughs) But yeah, um, doing cool stuff over there as always, man. So, um, but I want to thank you for for coming on for this. I'm glad we got uh, something, like I said, that made you excited for something MCU again, and um, that you could come on and gush about it with me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's a blast being back. I really appreciate the opportunity to come back onto Marvel Plus. Dude, hopefully you uh, hopefully you enjoy, you know, Wakanda forever. Maybe we can do that one. Maybe we can get one more in for the end of this year. Maybe. Yeah, I'm going to actually try to get to the theater to see that one. Uh, I feel like that's that's definitely one that I'm going to need to see on the big screen. I don't know if watching it on my iPad during work is uh, is going to cut it for that film, because that looks like it's going to be a massive story. Uh, with some yes. really big set pieces and huge action sequences. And like, I wouldn't expect anything less from, from Ryan Coogler and company anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, hopefully I, I can see that in theaters. Yeah. That'd be cool to, to come back and, and talk about as well. Absolutely, man. Well, all right. I will let you go, man. I've kept you quite long enough. We, we, we've been here for an hour and a half talking about a show that was only 45 minutes. So it's usually how it goes <laughs> for us. It, it ends up going much longer than we anticipated. Uh, but I, I think the world is all the better for it. So thank you again for, for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gents, that's going to do it for the Marvel special special presentation of Werewolf by Night discussion with Ryan Fraseri. I hope you enjoyed it. I absolutely had a blast having Ryan back on. It's been so long since I had him on my podcast. Uh, I've been on his a couple times in the meantime, but he hasn't been on since like, yeah, it's been almost a year, I think December of last year. So like a good 10 months since he's been on the podcast and it's always so much fun, dude. We always have such great conversation. 
Uh, and, and like I said, please go check out my appearances on his show. We've had some great discussions over there, whether it be the top five lists that we discussed before breaking down the episodes of X-Men the Animated Series, um, or, or just our banter back and forth. I mean, last time we ended up talking about like Saved by the Bell and Boy Meets World and and all kinds of like 90s nostalgia stuff. So um, please go check out Talking Snick, the, the Wolverine show for all of that awesome stuff. Um, yeah, don't forget to rate and review Marvel Plus. It really helps the podcast to grow, and it enters you into a drawing for Marvel Plus merch. I don't know what I'm going to be giving out next. It could be a mug. It could be a sticker. It could be a hat. It could be a shirt. If you're interested in any of that stuff, please go over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give the show a five-star rating, and give it uh, a thorough, honest, written review, if you would, please. I would be very grateful. Um also check out the Patreon page. As I said earlier, uh, you get episodes early, a day or two early, and also in video format. In video format, without all this plugging of my stuff, where I'm trying to get you to buy my stuff and contribute to the Patreon and all that jazz and rate and review the podcast. You can avoid all that. You can just jump right into the conversation with me and the guest a full day or two early in video format. You can watch us talking from the comforts of our own home, or in my case, uh, from my vehicle most of the time. I'm always on the go. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this this special episode. Um, don't forget, we got the, uh, the, the She-Hulk finale coming in a couple days. Um, I've already watched it. it was, uh, it's wild. It's wild. If you haven't watched it by now, um, look, man, it's divisive. I, I put up a poll. Uh, it's about 50-50, people that love it or people that hate it. Um, I happen to enjoy it quite a bit, and I can't wait to discuss it with my guest this week, Gerald King. Um, he is an artist uh, of all sorts. The, the guy's a mural artist, a comic artist, um, a, a artist, artist, uh, what have you. But he's a very talented individual, and I cannot wait to talk to him. Uh, what, tonight? T- tomorrow night? The next night? Something like that? Um, I don't know when you guys are listening right now. Uh, but that episode will be out by the end of the weekend. So you're going to get all kinds of, you get like three episodes in the same week of Marvel Plus. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope I don't uh, uh, give you too much content and burn you out uh, on Marvel Plus. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in once again. Um, my name is Brett Scott, and this has been Marvel Plus. Thank you.